Hello, this is Jeff Fan. Welcome back to This Week in the ACC, the podcast of allsportsdiscussion.com, the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. Matthew, the normal co-host and moderator, is in D.C. tonight. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at HokieSmash underscore ASD. Our guest host tonight is Clemson alumnus James Bostic III, who you can follow on Twitter at C-U-B-O-S-C-O. <clears throat> so yes, we planned this, uh, we totally planned this tonight this way because we have two Clemson alums who are hosting tonight's podcast. Uh, myself, a, a Clemson a Clemson uh, graduate, went to grad school there, met my wife there, father-in-law went there. Um, James is also an alumnus of Clemson as we preview the 2022 Clemson football team. Tonight, we have a return guest in Scott Reimer, who you can follow on Twitter, at Tiger Pregame. He joins us, by the way, of TigerPregameShow.blogspot.com. And he hosts the Tiger Pregame Show on WCCP, sorry, WCCP 105.5 FM in the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, let's check in with our co-host and guest, and we can start the podcast. So I see you there, James. How are you doing? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves while we wait for Scott to join. Hey, this, thanks for having me. Um, James Bostick, I'm a... 2005 Clemson grad. I uh, grew up in Atlanta and uh, now live in um, outside Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, uh, been a Clemson fan all my life. Uh, my dad went to school there and then uh, had the opportunity while I was a student to be a uh, football manager during the um, Bowden years. And so um, it's just fun to it's always a fun time of the year to get together and uh, talk some ball as uh, hope springs eternal right now. Uh, yeah, James, uh, talk talk a little bit as we wait yeah. for Scott uh, about realignment from the Clemson perspective and what your feeling on that is. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, I feel like Clemson's kind of in a uh, precarious spot right now with the their position in the ACC and um, with the grant of rights agreement that uh, – was signed, I think, back in 2016, 2017. And uh, that document, it doesn't seem like there's a lot, a whole lot of wiggle room around that. And uh, I think it's, from a Clemson perspective, it's a little scary because uh, you hear the numbers that have been tossed around with the SEC and the uh, Big Ten and even with uh, a potentially restructured Big 12, that um, the uh, ACC could really get left behind. And it just really makes me wonder, man, what were these smart people thinking when they uh, entered into this agreement for such a long time? Because uh, 
as we know, you know, things are changing so quickly, but, um, you know, people that are no more and smarter than me will, uh, have to figure this out. But, uh, I think it's, uh, I think if you're from the Clemson perspective, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little, it's a little scary, uh, scary time. Yeah, very, very fair uh, comments, James. I mean, I, I don't think absolutely anyone would argue that the the base media rights deal for the ACC is it, it, it's a mess. We have to be honest. It's 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 extremely uh, long term. Um, when you first look at it, you think the ACC is locked into to this deal um, with with no way. You know, not only out of it, but no way to to adjust it. But here's here, here's my perspective, and I don't think it's 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 not good news, but it's not all bad news. And and uh, Scott, we want to we'll get your thoughts on this before we get into our Clemson preview. But I, I will say, you know, the ACC network has been an absolute success. It was the second best network launch in the history of college athletics, only the SEC network launched better. It's a money maker. It makes money for the ACC teams. Uh, there was an article in the Raleigh News Observer um, that said that the addition of uh, Compass, Comcast, when it's figured in, is going to add another $6 million to, to ACC schools. So you're looking at a, a conference network package that's, that's going to make the schools over $10 million. Um, so one way to look at that is like, that's that's one of your revenue sources that's been very successful. And the other is that this also makes a lot of money for ESPN to the tune of over $100 million a year. And they have a vested interest in making the ACC viable. There, there's been too much buzz coming from... Uh, the the AD at, or the Chancellor of North Carolina, uh, comments by the Louisville AD, uh, comments by Jim Phillips during the media days, and then also in that same Raleigh News and Observer article, he said there has there is a willingness from ESPN to meet the ACC halfway. So there's a there's this absolute you know huge revenue gap potential. Um, I don't think it's fair to say hey ESPN give. Uh, the ACC exactly what the SEC is making the football product outside of Clemson and and I always include Wake Forest who I think are playing you know to their ability to their potential um you know the product is just doesn't match the SEC but with that said sure. I really believe that ESPN is going to work uh with the conference to put a more competitive package together uh for for the conference uh, you know, in this field, and maybe you don't catch up with the SEC and Big Ten, obviously, but I think there's there's potential for the ACC to be in a very solid third position, um, because when you when you look at it, ESPN after the SEC, there's no conference that they're more heavily invested in. Yes, you can definitely make a, make an argument that the that the media rights deal, like we've said, uh, definitely needs to be improvement, but it's it's in ESPN's best interest to have the ACC be viable. Um, Scott, w what are your quick thoughts on that? And then we'll get into our Clemson preview. Well, good evening, guys. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. 
Yeah, loud and clear. Great, great outstanding. Outstanding. It's great, great to be here uh, with you both. Uh, I, I think James. Uh, I love your optimism, but I think James is a little, little closer to to what, where I feel on that. And that, uh, you know, r- r- making up the gap uh, is a um, is is a noble thing. Cutting it in half or, or meeting halfway. You know, if the ACC were were able to do that, but you can't sustain. I, I don't think long term. Um, you know, if you're Clemson, just speaking specifically about Clemson, you just can't uh, continue to be out revenued every year by by millions of dollars, and and eventually that catches you, it catches up with you. I mean, it may not in the in the short term. You know, we got a lot of great things going on at Clemson, but. Uh, the the money is the disparity of that money is just um, potentially too much to overcome long term. Now, the 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 flip side of that is is that you've you know where is Notre Dame going to fall? And I, I do believe there's a path forward for the Atlantic Coast Conference if Notre Dame comes on board. But uh, that's you know that's been the you know the the most uh, perplexing situation of all because Notre Dame, you know, has historically said they're going to remain independent. And I don't believe they can continue to do that. Uh, But whether it's the ACC that they go to or the Big Ten, which obviously from a uh, geographic footprint makes a lot more sense for Notre Dame. Uh, So um, where do they fall? If they fall in the ACC, I think the ACC can sustain that. If they don't, I, I just think eventually somebody's jumping ship and it's probably Clemson and it's probably, uh, you know, Florida state, Miami, some of these, some of these programs that feel like they fit from a, uh, a program standpoint in the sec. And, 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 and you, you all know this as, as well as anyone, but you know, lawyers can get you out of a lot of things. And so, uh, you know, the contract itself, I think, eventually is not going to be the the thing that keeps this thing together or not. I think the contract will eventually be breached. And if, if the ACC cannot find a path forward, and I think that path forward, unless some other teams come off, you know, come out of the woodwork, I, I just think that the key cog in the whole, whole thing right now is Notre Dame. All right. Very good comment, Scott and James. Um, yeah, we could talk about realignment for uh, an hour, but this, this is the Clemson show, and uh, this year Clemson's in the ACC. Uh, my opinion is it, it'll be that way at least for for a while. But you know, like we've said on the podcast before, let's let's check back in five years. But um, so with that said, James, I'm going to turn it over to you as okay. we start the podcast, learn a little bit about Scott, and and get into to Clemson football and a little bit about basketball as well well scott it's always uh it's always a fun thing time to do this and uh because it always means football season's around is around the corner so uh you know tell us a lot tell us a little bit about yourself and plug anything you want here before we get started well i appreciate that james and it's and i agree it's this has kind of been the uh the the moment from which I start focusing on football when I get the when I get the invite to come here and so it's 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 a great honor to be here and 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 I will say for the record I I hope uh, the ACC lives along and 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 continued life with Clemson in it I, I'm I'm all in on that as well 
Um, yeah, so the the Tiger pregame show, it, amazingly, this will be our 20th year on the air uh, when Clemson kicks off against Georgia Tech down Labor Day night in Atlanta. It'll be the 255th consecutive broadcast. Um, just been a great journey since 2003. Lots of social media, the Tiger pregame show on Facebook, the Tiger pregame show on YouTube, uh, the Twitter handles at Tiger pregame. Instagram uh, at Tiger Pregame Show, and we do the TikTok as well. You know, we're hip. We're, we're, we're like the young kids nowadays, and so we'll do a little at Tiger Pregame Show on TikTok. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's uh, great to, to to see the college football season right around the corner. And uh, I think, as we'll talk about, I know we're going to talk basketball first, but, but when we get into football, I, I think one of the most intriguing years uh, in the Atlantic Coast Conference, at least from a preseason standpoint, since this, uh, you know, quote unquote, Clemson dynasty, you know, back in two, 2015, I think the ACC is wide open this year and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, before we uh, jump into football, we wanted to um, just get your thoughts on, uh, you know, the state of Clemson basketball and what are your thoughts on um, Brad Brownell as he uh, faces what maybe looks like a kind of a make or break year. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, first of all, I, I, I love Brad Brownell. Um, I, I, I love everything he stands for. I think he's an exceptional basketball coach. The Clemson basketball job is not the easiest in the world. We, we've we've chronicled that for many, many years. Uh, but even at that level, this team has underperformed. You know, Brownell, uh, it's crazy to think that he's won more games uh, than uh, any, any basketball coach in Clemson history with 201. A lot of that's, you know, obviously due to the fact that he's been here for 11 seasons uh you know we've made the ncaa tournament um back in i think 2018 it was the sweet 16 performance which was really really special um and and i think that's the kind of you know level that i think most of us feel year in and year out if you can get to the tournament and maybe here or there make a run if, if you have a senior later uh, senior laden team maybe you can maybe you can aspire to that elite eight or final four um, that's just not where we've been, you know, and, and I think you hit it right on, on, on the nose. Uh, Graham Neff said it said almost as much, really, if you, if you kind of unpack what he said in his statement, his press conference after the basketball season, it was that, um, you know, Clemson needs to get better and it needs to get better now and better is NCAA tournaments. And so I, I think to, just as you said, I think if, if Clemson makes the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament this year, uh, you know, Brad will, will continue to be the coach. If he doesn't, uh, Clemson will look in a, in a, in a different direction. But it's, it's in, until you expect more from your basketball program, you're going to get what you get. And I think in hearing Graham uh, Neff talk, I think he truly believes that and expects more in this basketball program. So I think his leash will be short. Um, and I believe he believes, uh, and this is kind of, you know, reading through his, his line of thinking here. I, I believe he believes that building a basketball program that is successful on top of a football program and a baseball program and all the things that Clemson does really well, I, I think is the kind of thing he's wanting for 
for for his legacy, if you will, and what he believes um, will, will mark his stamp on 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 being athletic director at Clemson. So we'll see, but it, it'll be a big year for Clemson basketball, no question. Uh, w- one way or the other, I think Clemson moves forward or or moves in a different direction. Yeah, th- th- there's no doubt about that. And uh, I saw something. I think PJ Hall was hurt again uh recently so yeah that doesn't certainly doesn't help the situation but um you know i agree with you i think you can i think you can do both i think uh you're seeing it you've seen it at different schools like florida i think you know tennessee's an example uh you know baylor's an example of schools where you can win at both and they don't have to be mutually exclusive so that's good stuff so but people are here for football so let's get going on uh, our football talk so Scott tell us about some of the major strengths coming back for the Tigers this year well I think it, it starts and stops uh, you know in terms of just the most obvious strengths on the offensive side of the ball is the running game I mean uh, uh, maybe maybe the biggest surprise of, of anything in what was a very unique year last year uh, you lose Travis Etienne, and 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 yet, in some ways, you were a better running football team collectively uh, without him. Uh, now that was partly because you didn't throw the ball as well, which we'll talk about in a moment, I'm sure. But uh, you know, Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, and Phil Moffa were were very very good. Obviously, Shipley the star of that group, um, and it's an offensive line that returns four starters now you know there's a big question mark in that four starters because the one is at center that isn't a returning starter now will putnam will shift over and you know we've been we kind of went through this last summer and didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal and then you know not having a center a true center and then it turned out to be a pretty big deal so uh you know i i will withhold my judgment on that but uh it should be an offensive line at least from the running game um, that is a strength. And, 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 of course, Will Shipley, a healthy Will Shipley is, is a difference maker at running back. And Kobe and Phil are both very, very uh, capable of, of spelling him and are, and are a different kind of running back, and both of them, uh, to, to offset that. So I think uh, offensively, Clemson will be a team in the past where, you know, when you had these superstar quarterbacks to Sean Watson and, and, and Trevor Lawrence, you, you ran the ball just enough to keep people honest so you could throw the ball. Uh, and I think it's, it's kind of the opposite now. I think, I think Clemson throws the ball enough to keep people honest uh, with, with, with what could be a, a, a very, very good running uh, team. And then, and then on the flip side, defensively, um, you know, Clemson may have uh, the best uh, defensive front in, in the country. And certainly it harkens back to, uh, 2018, I, I think, with the Power Rangers, and that's a group that's going to be very difficult to to um, to to equal. And and if this group can do it, but you know, Brian Brissy returns. You know, he was he's just a a difference maker when he was healthy, and, and of course he got hurt last year. Uh, Tyler Davis up front as well, and then and then you've got 
you know, just I, I, I could go on and on. It'd take another 20 minutes to, to name all the defensive linemen, but, you know, Rook, Aurora, and Trey Williams, Peyton Page, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, KJ Henry. I mean, you, you just keep going down the list, and there's a tremendous amount of talent up front. So I, I think most defenses, most, most coaches will tell you that regardless of what you have at linebacker and regardless of what you have in the secondary, which I think Clemson has some talent in, in both of those areas as well, if you're good up front, you're a good defense. And I think Clemson is really, really good up front and should be a really, really good defense because of that. All right, Scott. Um, let's go on the flip side here. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, for the Tigers going into the seasons? Other other words, what do you think Clemson will be working on before the first game, and what are the questions that you have to that have to be resolved? Um, I, I'm going to take my podcast host hat off and put my my uh, Clemson fan hat on. I have to say, I, I was not that impressed by D, DJ Uwe Angelale's performance in the spring game, and I went to the game and I I thought Kate Klubnik looked better. I'd, I'd love to know your your thoughts. I have a feeling you're gonna you're gonna talk about that. I hear a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know that a year ago, even the most jaded uh, uh, analyst in, in in all of college football would have predicted or could have foreseen what we saw with DJ Uyunglele uh, last year. I mean, you know, we had a two game sample of him prior to last year, the Boston College game when Trevor. Uh, had COVID and then the Notre Dame game, and he was spectacular. You know, uh, DJ was spectacular in both of those games. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, set the record for passing yards passing yards in South Bend uh, against Notre Dame. Um, and and, that, and that they've been playing football for a while up there in, in Indiana. So, um, but but it was not good. Uh, it was not good, and it and and most of that was DJ. Uh, I, I think. In some respects, um, uh, there's been people who've deflected a little bit of, uh, off of DJ with with both the injuries and the poor play at receiver and then the offensive line. And all that's true. I mean, the, the, the pass protection wasn't good. And the receivers, when they were healthy, didn't make big plays. And then they weren't healthy. You know, you're, you're trotting out Will Sweeney. With all due respect, uh, Will Sweeney as your as your starting receiver in in the bowl game, you know things had gotten depleted. But all of that is true. But DJ didn't play well, and his confidence wasn't there. And he was. I think we can probably look back and say that he was overweight, um, which which I think he's corrected uh, at this point this year. And here's the other thing, as you mentioned, Clemson didn't have an alternative. You know, Tyshawn Pumachan was uh, Tyson Pumachan was not an option uh, to win football games or big football games for Clemson, and that's the difference this year. And you you, you hinted at that a little bit with the spring game with Cade Klubnik. Um, you know, he he's a guy that you know has all the tools. You would think he's going to be a guy that can push um, uh, DJ, but I, I still think at at least on July 31st. Uh, I know the podcast will be released in August here, but um, I, I still think the job is DJ's to win, um, and and I think he'll be the starting quarterback. I think he'll have the opportunity to lead this team. And you're right, the spring game was, and and, and it wasn't it wasn't good. But that's also kind of wonky too because you split the two teams in halves, and and there's just a lot of stuff going on in the spring game that 
I, I don't read too much into great performances in the spring game, and I don't read too much into the poor ones either. But uh, it'll be a short leash for DJ, I feel. But, but Clemson has an option um, at quarterback this year, I think, with Cade. And so that's got to get better. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody who watched Clemson play last year that, that, that would say that that has to be the priority number one. Will the quarterback play be better? But, you know, the flip side of that, too, is that I think you got to get – you got to get a lot better at wide receiver. Um, there were, you know, Bo Collins was really Clemson's best receiver last year, and, and he had a good year. And and you know, Joseph Ngata was banged up. You know, you expect and EJ Williams. I mean, they were all banged up. I mean, you know, the bottom line is, every if you were a Clemson wide receiver, you missed time last year. You got a couple other pieces. You know, uh, Troy Stilato comes back. Will Taylor should be back. Um, uh, Brandon Spector, and then of course. You know, we'll talk a little bit later about some of the freshmen that are coming in or the redshirt freshmen. But, you know, Randall, Adam Randall uh, from Myrtle Beach is a guy that keep an eye on. Clemson did not look like Clemson at the wide receiver position last year. You know, when you saw they just they, they didn't win matchups and they didn't get open and they didn't. And, and even when they weren't open, um um, they didn't win one-on-one balls. It just was a it was a wide receiving core that was substandard to what Clemson has had. When you think about you know the past seven, eight, nine, ten years, so um, you know things have got to get better around DJ or Cade. But um, but the quarterback play will be the number one focus of improvement. And either DJ is going to be better and he's going to be a great quarterback again this year, or he's not going to be better and Kate Klubnik will, will come in uh, pr- pretty soon and, and take over the job. All right, Scott, uh, you kind of hinted at this in your, in your last uh, question. Uh, who are some of the new recruits or transfers that have impressed you uh, the most are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? Well, I think uh, you know. First of all, it was a it was a, a recruiting class that was a little bit below what Clemson has been. I mean, I think it was ranked in the fourteen, fifteen, sixteen uh, area. It was a small class, um, but uh, the it, you know all of that being said, it's it's where the the needs were, and did you feel your needs? And uh, you know, we've already talked about Cade. Uh, you know, the five star quarterback. Um, he'll play, he'll, you know, he's going to play regardless of how DJ plays. Um, and so we'll see plenty of Kate, uh, Klubnik, uh, as we go through, don't forget too, Hunter Johnson, a guy who comes back off the transfer, uh, transfer portal, comes back to Clemson and adds some more depth to, to that room. So that's good. But, uh, as I look at the guys that are coming in, um, uh, you know, I, I think Jaden Lucas, the five-star cornerback from Malden High School, is a guy that's probably going to hit the field, uh, you know, snap one, uh, you know, certainly early in the game against Georgia Tech. Toriano Pride, uh, he's also from uh, St. Uh, Louis, a four-star. He'll play. Uh, they're both uh, cornerbacks. I think it's an area of need both in depth and in talent. And I think both of those guys are guys that are going to see the field early. I've already mentioned Adam Randall from Myrtle, uh, Myrtle Beach, the four-star. Um, he, he he looks like Justin Ross, but but bigger and thicker. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, he's got the frame. He's, he's tall, but but a little thicker. Um, I think he plays early and often. And then I think also at the safety position, there's a couple of guys, Sherrod Koval, uh, and you know he's from uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. I think he may see some playing time there. So um, 
I, I think one of the other than the quarterback position, um, and, and much like the quarterback position, I think you've got some guys who you feel good about that have been in the program, but I think you've got some guys that you brought in that if they aren't what you thought they were going to be, I mean, that, that is the guys who are returning, if they're not having good years or if they get banged up, I, I think you've got options there. And I, and I think that's the, that's what makes championship teams. I mean, you look at Georgia, you look at Alabama, you look at Ohio state and Clemson, you, you know, Start if if no one gets hurt and your starters play every minute and every snap of every game, who's the best team? You know you can you know each year you can kind of throw that in the hat. But but the teams that win championships to get to the playoffs and win championships are the teams that can overcome an injury here or there because they have quality high quality depth. And I think there's some guys that Clemson brought in that will fit that mold uh, in, in, in case of starter injury, but it will be, it will be an upperclassman related team in, in the sense that, you know, these young guys will come in and get some playing time, but it will be more to support, I think more to support than to fill a role immediately because I think Clemson has a pretty solid starting uh, 22. Okay, Scott, do you think that Clemson will be better than last year? Why or why not? And then we're going to play what we call uh, win game, lose game, where we go through the Clemson schedule and get your quick thoughts if that game is a win or a loss. And, and as always, uh, you know, we, we credit the, the idea for win game, lose game from 105.5, your, your colleague Mickey Plyler, who would go through team schedules uh, in that same way. It's kind of where we got that idea from. Well, yeah, and 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 I know uh, Mickey. It's always appreciative if you get him credit for that. I, I'll say this: offensively, there, there. I, I don't know that there is a way that Clemson could not improve offensively. I mean, if if that if if we do not see improvement offensively, um, I, I you know I, I just I've been doing this for a long time, and I just you we hit the bottom of the barrel uh, last year when it came to offense, and it was as as poor as you could be. So Clemson will be better offensively. It'll be better offensively for two reasons. Number one, I think you have options at quarterback if DJ struggles. And and again, I want to say for the record, I think DJ is going to play well. I think DJ will rebound. I think he will remain the starter for the rest of the for the entire year unless he get, you know, gets banged up or something. I, I don't know that it'll be, you know, uh Trevor Lawrence type play at quarterback, but I, I mean I th- I th- I think he's going to be a very very good quarterback and and I do have faith in DJ Uyunglele. But it it, uh, it comes going to be better offensively because you're not going to be as you would think you're not going to get as banged up. Um, you're going to have some guys that step or a year older, you know, that were asked to play new roles uh, or, or roles last year as, as young players. So I, I you know, Clemson's going to be better offensively. Um, defensively, I think it's interesting because I think talent wise, Clemson is maybe better uh, on paper than Clemson was last year. But I think one of the most intriguing sub uh, you know subplots to the whole thing is what happens you know with the loss of Brent Venables you know and I know a lot of people say well you know you know Wes Goodwin's going to be great you know he's he's this maestro and 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 he's uh you know in some ways a protege of Venables but you know good coaches are good coaches for a reason because they're good coaches and when you lose them um you can't help but feel that so I think one of the biggest storylines about whether Clemson will be a 
playoff team or um, or, or an eight nine win team like we were last year uh, revolve around the quarterback play number one. But then number two is is you know can Clemson overcome the loss of what I think was a defensive genius and that is a Brent Venable. So to, to me, that, that is one of the, one of the biggest storylines on that side of the ball. But the, 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 the answer to your question is Clemson's going to be better next year because I don't think whatever Clemson loses defensively in the loss of Venables um, will, will offset what Clemson will be better offensively um, with better play at quarterback and just not being as banged up and everybody being a year older. So I, I do think Clemson's a better football team this year. All right, let's get into that schedule. Um, you know, th- this this isn't a it, – it's not exactly murderer's row, but this is this is still a pretty salty schedule here. This, th- this is a, a competitive schedule, and, and there's some landmines out there, I think, uh, for Clemson. Um, maybe not in the first three weeks of the season, but, you know, you know, starting in, in week four, it, it gets going, but you start out the season with, uh, on Monday night, Labor Day at Georgia Tech. Uh, well, I don't know if it'll be that much of a home field game for Georgia Tech at Mercedes Benz, but, uh, uh, you could be facing Jeff Collins for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, to, to, to your point, um, uh, th- that's not going to be, uh, I, I don't believe, a, uh, a game which Clemson's going to lose. Clemson's going to win the game. But, but, but I've, having watched uh, 12 or 13, whatever it was last year, games that Clemson played, I can assure you that uh, I, you take no one for granted anymore. I mean, there's no, you know, when you, when you can't get but about 20 points in a game, you, you learn to uh, recalibrate your expectations. So uh, Clemson wins against Georgia Tech. I think that's going to be a little more rocky uh, than than probably we would like. Uh, more so because I think it's just a first game for Clemson, but Clemson wins that one and, and goes one and zero. Okay, uh, then you uh, go back home on September ho- September tenth and host the Furman Paladins. Yeah, that's that's an in-state game where you, you you write a big check to the Paladins and and we appreciate them and uh, but but Clemson's not going to lose that game. It'll be a comfortable win. Okay, uh, then the next week, uh, 8 p.m. on ACC Network, you're hosting uh, the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Kind of the same thing as Furman, except you're writing a check to someone that's not in your state. I think that's another uh, easy win for the Tigers. All right, then you, now you get into, uh, uh, you know, could be the one of the defining points of the season here in these next two uh, back-to-back games. And you go on the road and uh, you play Wake Forest and – you know, we we know that Wake Forest has been a really solid football program the last few years, and they've got they've got some offensive um, playmakers on that team. Absolutely, I, I think this is uh, and 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 I've stated uh, in some other conversations I've had. I, I don't believe the Atlantic nor the Coastal Division will will produce an undefeated team uh, this year. And, 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 and this is the game that I, I think in the conference that Clemson will lose. I think for two reasons. Number one, Wake Forest is, is, is a pretty good football team. Number two, it's, it's in Winston-Salem. And you can say, well, that's not a big home crowd and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not. 
but but being at home is a different thing than being on the road no matter what you do and i think there could be some issues here in looking ahead to nc state who comes i think to clemson the next week and i just think there's a lot of bitterness about that game and the fact that nc state won last year so it's just a typical trap game so it's very difficult to predict these things when we do this every year but i'm going to say clemson falls uh, in winston salem okay um and then you come back and and you do host that nc state team and this should be a really quality um north carolina state wolfpack team i mean they've got experience you know at quarterback uh, with Devin leary they got tremendous linebackers they're they're going to be an older team um the Wolfpack can cause some problems this season. I mean, they did enough last year, but I, I, they're coming back, and and it could be a real problem this year too. And no question, I think they're they're definitely a legitimate threat in the Atlantic Division. Uh, and and if they can get through the Atlantic Division, I think they'll be a a, a favorite uh, to win the ACC championship this year. You mentioned the quarterback play; they probably got one of the most experienced quarterbacks uh, in the league. And and then I think. You know, people don't talk about it as much, but I think they have probably if, if, if maybe you can throw Clemson in there, but one of the best defenses right there with Clemson. So they're, they're going to be very, very difficult. But I, I think, you know, just like last year, I thought there was a lot of mojo on NC State's side of the thing. Uh, you're in Raleigh. It was, you know, not a confident Clemson team coming into that game. NC State had the chip on the shoulder. I, I think the chip now falls to Clemson in that regard, and the, and the fact that that game is is in Death Valley. I, I think Clemson wins. So, so I think you lose in Winston Salem, but you turn around and you beat the Wolfpack uh, at home the next week. Okay. Uh, then you go on the road and you play at Boston College. Um, that that's that's a one of those trap game trap looking games too, sandwiched between NC State and then a road game at Florida State the week after. Yeah, and and I don't, you know, both of these teams are very much a mystery to me, and I, I think they're both wins for Clemson. I think the the question that I have in my mind is what type, how hard it's going to take to win those games. I think both, you know, uh, both teams uh, once they get the season started, I think we'll get a little bit better pulse on them. I think the trip to Boston's probably a little more difficult on paper than the trip to Tallahassee. Uh, I think it's a pretty big rebuild down there but uh but both of those teams i think you know you, you just kind of have to wait to see what they are but i think clemson wins both those games just don't know how comfortable either of those will be until we see those two teams take the field this year all right very good so after you know the bc and florida state games you come back and and host um syracuse and and another coach who you know, hasn't quite gotten the – he's been a little bit off the radar when you compare him to a Jeff Collins on the hot seat. But, you know, Dino Babers might be playing for his job this season too, coaching for his job. Yeah, you mentioned Jeff Collins earlier. Clemson maybe, you know, maybe maybe uh, assisting a couple of guys out, out the door. I think Syracuse is overmatched. They're probably on paper – uh, the weakest team in the Atlantic Division, then you you know you, you you could throw in the Carrier Dome if you went up there as kind of one of those things that you know things just happen up there that make games interesting. But because the game's in Clemson, uh, I think the Tigers will, will very easily win that one. All right, then Clemson is uh, on a bye week, October 29th, then they go on the road and and play one of the games of the year in college football at Notre Dame. 
Yeah, this is to me the you know it, it has no no bearing on the Atlantic Coast Conference, of course, because uh, Notre Dame lives in this little world where they can play in the conference but not play in the conference. And so, um, you know, I know a lot of the talk earlier was about Wake Forest and NC State, which I think those two games will kind of go a long way in 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 finding out who wins the Atlantic Division. I think the game in South Bend, though. For Clemson, especially if you lose one of the two games against Wake Forest and NC State, becomes almost a play-in game for the playoffs. I don't know that a two-loss ACC champion um, can get in the playoffs. Uh, um, you know, a lot of it depends on whatever else happens out there. You know, understand that. But, but, but I think you you start to roll the dice pretty heavily if you have two losses and you win the conference. So, to me, the Notre Dame game, even though it's not an ACC game, in in essence becomes a game if you assume Clemson lose loses to either Wake or NC State as a game that 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 will, could determine whether or not you can you can. Um, find your way into the playoffs. So I, I, I t- to me, this is a very difficult game t- for me to predict Clemson winning based upon what I saw last year. You know, if Clemson plays better at quarterback and, and Clemson um, is a different offensive football team this year than they were last year, Clemson can win up there. But I, I you know, July 31st, 1st of August, you know, based upon what I saw last year, I think Notre Dame wins that game. All right. Um, then, then Clemson comes back home uh, for the final three weeks of the season, and and three, uh, you know, pretty tough games, I, I would say, or you know, especially challenges facing some quality quarterbacks to finish the season. And you start out with the uh, Louisville Cardinals and Malik Cunningham. Yeah, he's we we saw plenty of him last year. Very difficult to match up against. Um, and again, you know, Clemson, you know, did some good things against him, but he he's a year older now. It'll be interesting to see what how he uh, improves in the passing game. I think again that game being in Clemson, give me a Clemson win there. But Malik Cunningham, I have tremendous amount of respect for what he he is as a quarterback. All right, then you. Um, st- you're staying at home, like we said, and it's Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people are kind of thinking that, uh, you know, they're the coastal representatives, and, and we'll talk about that maybe in the next question, and they certainly uh, uh, are um, poised to be there. But, again, uh, Clemson at home, um, it, it, there, there's an advantage there inherently. Uh, I mean, it's there's a reason Clemson hasn't lost a home game in a long, 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 long time, and that's because the home field advantage is, is a big deal. I think Miami's going to be a pretty good football team. I You mentioned the Notre Dame game being kind of that game of the year kind of thing, and, and, and I think it will be. It'll have that feel from a national standpoint. But I think a lot will ride on the line with the Clemson-Miami game because I think both Clemson and Miami will need to win this game to secure themselves in uh, in their respective uh, uh, divisions to play in the, in the ACC championship. But give me Clemson. It's at home. Uh, it should be a, a heck of a football game and a great atmosphere. All right. Then you finish the season at home uh, against uh, in-state arch-rival South Carolina and, and their new quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Well, and I, you know, Spencer Rattler, notwithstanding, and I think he certainly is a guy that, uh, you know, brings a dimension to them, uh, the Gamecocks, that is, that that they haven't had at the quarterback position. But I, you know, I've I've been on the record multiple times. I just really think what uh, 
Beamer's doing, uh, Coach Beamer's doing down in Columbia is is the way to do it. I I, I think they're a team on the rise. I don't know, it, you know, if, if Spencer Rattler is a superstar, because um, quarterback play can overcome a lot of other deficiencies in college football and, and in the NFL as well. And if he's a superstar, um, they will they're going to be a tough out one way or the other. Uh, but I believe that he's building uh, a really good football team. And this will be, you know, Clemson, even last year, as bad as Clemson was offensively, really kind of rolled into Williams Price and, and handled things against the Gamecocks, won the game 30 to zero. Um, uh, but but I, I don't believe that it's going to be that easy this year, even in Clemson. I, I think South Carolina is an improving football team. If Spencer Rattler's a a good quarterback and a, and a great quarterback, uh, they're going to be a tough out. Clemson wins this game, I think, but this will be the most competitive Clemson-South Carolina game that we've seen in quite a while. All right. Um, Scott, give us the pulse of the Clemson football program. You know, what are Clemson bloggers and fans thinking right now in the state of the program? And, uh, you know, we had it set up to ask a, a little bit about realignment here, but I, I think we covered that uh, earlier in the pro, in the podcast. Well, I, th- I think, um, uh, you know, t- t- to me, this is the most intriguing offseason um, since 2015, the summer of 2015. And, um, and, and I say that in this regard, and, 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 you know, I've done this for several seasons with you guys, um, and we would go through this win-loss game and, and all these things. And, 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 and there was, even if I felt Clemson wasn't going to win the game, I almost had to talk myself into, you know, a, a scenario for which Clemson might lose the game, right? I mean, you, you just felt like Clemson was a dominant program that was going to breeze through the ACC, um, which they had done uh, for the most part, and, um, and get to the, you know, college football playoff and then just roll the dice and see what happens at that level. Um, but this, this summer reminds me a lot more about the summer of 2015, which was before all of this dynasty, if you want to call it, that happened. Uh, you know, Clemson was coming off a great season. They beat South Carolina. They beat Oklahoma in the, in the bowl game. Um, but it was, it was that season that Clemson and Deshaun Watson, you know, kind of took off. And, uh, I think it's a crossroads, uh, you know, just to be blunt. I, I think if you, if you get back to the playoffs this year, you know, last year becomes an anomaly or, or just one of those wonky years where you just, all the things that could have gone bad went bad. And, and I could make that argument because a lot of things went bad from an injury standpoint and, and all those things that you could kind of chalk it up to where that might be a, an anomaly. But, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, you win eight or nine games, but you don't go to the ACC championship and you don't go to the playoffs again. And all of a sudden, uh, you're not in that elite air anymore. And people start saying, well, you know, Clemson kind of came and went. And and there would be some validity to that. So to me, this this season has as much importance and intrigue as as any uh, since 2015, because I don't know. I, I really don't. I'd like to think that this program has built itself to the point where they'll rebound very quickly from, from last year, but uh, you got to go out there and do it. And I think the Atlantic coast conference is com- 
it's more competitive this year than it's probably been in um, in this run of Clemson's um, uh, championships uh, prior to last year. And of course, they didn't win the ACC championship last year. But but it, this is a more competitive Atlantic Division for sure. I mean, NC State, um, Wake Forest are very very uh, good football teams. They'll be top fifteen, top twenty football teams. And on the other side, Miami and, you know, I mean, we're not talked about North Carolina. They lost a lot, but there's a lot of teams on that side that could be great in addition to Miami. So I think the the idea that, that Clemson's got to get it back so that people don't think that it's slipping and you're doing that against a headwind of what I think is a very competitive league. And so, and, and then, and then you play Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So all that being said to me, this is maybe the most intriguing uh, off season or lead up to the football season that Clemson has had since 2015. And I think there is a lot to be de- determined about is, is, is Clemson going to stay like an Alabama or is Clemson going to have hit that peak and now back on the downside of that peak and chasing people like, uh, you know, like the, like the Texas A&Ms of the world and, and the, and the, and the Oklahoma's of the world, you know, where you're just right on the edge, but you're just not in that elite status. So to me, that's the fascinating part of what we're going to see in this football season. All right. Very good. Uh, Scott, if if Clemson makes the ACC title game and and like you've already been talking about, we can't just assume that they'll be there. Uh, who, who who's going to be the Coastal Division champion? Well, I, I think a lot of Miami, and I think when you look at their schedule, I think they, uh, you know, they 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 unfortunately get Clemson, you know, and I think that's a tough break for them. I think they've got some issues defensively as well. So, you know, I when I look at these things and I see the coastal as a bunch of good teams, no great teams. And and so when you start looking at that kind of uh, mentality, you kind of look at schedules. And so Miami, of course, as I mentioned, has to go to Clemson as late in the year. There'll be a lot riding on that game. North Carolina uh, has to play. You know, of course, they host NC State. Um, and they just they were just butchered offensively as far as who they lost. So they've just got a ton of losses offensively. You would think they'd be better defensively. And so all that kind of circles to me as uh, Pittsburgh is like, okay, well, now they lost Kenny Pickett, so people are going to write him off for that. They lost – I think they're going to lose Jordan Addison. I don't know if he's landed somewhere or not, but I, I think he's gone. Uh, and, and people just kind of write them off. I mean, they 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 did it last year. They were very good uh, last year. They've got a defense that travels. Um, they're going to be excellent up front defensively. They've got maybe the two best safeties in the conference and, and Hallett and Hill. And here's the thing. They miss Clemson, Wake, and NC State from the Atlantic. So they've got the most accessible uh, schedule. So – I, I think from I think Miami might be the best team in the coastal. I just think Pitt has the better route. So I think Pitt's going to be back in Charlotte again next year. All right, sounds sounds good. And they do return quite a bit of talent um, there at Pittsburgh. And and yeah, and Jordan Addison has has ended up at USC, but um, I think even without Pickett and Addison, I mean, like you like you said. That they're 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 pretty well stocked up there, and and very possible to see them back in Charlotte. 
All right, James, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast with one last question for Scott. All right, appreciate it. Well, it's open mic time, Scott, so uh, the floor is yours. James, thank you. Um, I, I will conclude with this. Um, I, I think college football, uh, you know, and we talked a little bit about expansion and, align, or, uh, you know, conference alignments and all those things, and that that's going to all work itself out um, one way or the other. Uh, but But I think college football maybe as much as in my lifetime um, is at a crossroads with both NIL and the transfer portal. And, and I'll say that uh, I'm, I support NIL. Um, I, I, I think it certainly needs regulations from which we don't currently have very good ones. Um, I think the intent of it is good. Uh, the, the practice of it is probably not so good right now. But if there is something that is wrong, as wrong with college football as anything that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and that it's the transfer portal and this idea that you can go to another school with no harm uh, to your, uh, your your playing status. And, and, you know, back in the old days, you know, you sat out a year. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I certainly believe athletes should be able to transfer schools if they want to do that. If they aren't happy where they are, they aren't being successful. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, I do have a problem with the fact that you can do so without without consequence. And I think that's the wrong message. I think it's 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 trickling down to the high school level uh, where where uh, high school football players are saying, hey, you know, I'm not getting the playing time I want or I'm not getting this or I'm not, my team's not very good. I'm just going to, you know, transfer to another school. Uh, that that mentality of, um, of of not overcoming adversity or 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 earning uh, your time as a starter or fighting through um, what 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 might not be what you want immediately um, is just the wrong message. It's the wrong message from from um, from in, from any thing that you do, whether it's athletics or whether it's in the business world. So we've got to, you know, NIL, I think will figure itself out. I think the the regulations of that will come into play at some point. But if there is something in college football that needs immediate action, that's the transfer portal. It's just not good for the game. It's, it's not good for the student athletes that are transferring because they're not learning the things from which you need to learn to be successful in life. And that is everything doesn't come to you at your time. It comes to you when you earn it. And, um, you know, we, we got to fix that or, or we've got a big problem in college football. All right, James, anything from your side, your, your chance at open mic. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I wanted to go back on a couple things and uh, I, talking about the challenging schedule um, that Scott was talking about. I think the, one of the big things this year is the maturity of the Clemson team. It's going to be tested early. I think this schedule really lines up really nicely for Clemson. I think it's a big deal. I think it's good to go on the road game one so you have that experience of going into a different environment and then coming back and hopefully working out the kinks and um, 
before you um, you know hit conference play. But I, I, this, I'm really interested to see the maturity and um, you know, as Scott mentioned, this is a veteran later laden team, and um, hopefully, and I'm you know saying this uh, at the end of July that I think the maturity in the experiences of last year uh, gets Clemson back to the playoffs. But um, um, my last thing I wanted to comment on is I really hope that the ACC can live up to the hype and deliver some high-level entertaining football. Uh, You've got Leary, Hartman, uh, Dracovic, who um, I think is a really, really good football player and um and you know with the bc team that i know will be eager to get clemson in uh in chestnut hill you got uh van dyke um at miami you got um brendan armstrong at uva i mean you've really got some really quality and experienced signal callers who um hopefully you know can um you know, put on a show and just demonstrate that there's some high quality football being played in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And, you know, uh, I hope Clemson wins all the all the games. But uh, hopefully, you know, a team like NC State, a team like BC or Wake Forest, you know, can sustain regardless of what happens in those games. They can, you know, sustain some success and, you know, go 10 and 2, 11 and 1, and, and really, uh, you know, show up there at the end as a, as a conference with, you know, five or six ranked teams uh, and maybe, you know, even three or four in the, all in the top 15. So, um, yeah, I just want to see the ACC live up to the hype this year. All right. And, um, my last comment here for, for open mic, um, rest in peace today, the passing of uh, Bill Russell, um, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest winner, maybe the greatest winner um, in NBA history and one of the all-time great uh, athletes in sports, 11-time NBA champion. I mean, think about that. Michael Jordan won six, Bill Russell won 11 in it you know, playing in the era with, with Wilt Chamberlain, um, just a, a legacy of, of a sportsman and a winner uh, throughout his time. So, you know, rest in peace, Bill Russell. Uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast tonight. So really appreciate your time, Scott and James, uh, James for co-hosting and for answering our questions, Scott. And, uh, you know, we'll look to have you on again um, this time next year to preview more Clemson football. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye-bye.